everyone. Nice little ring for you. Ring in the new year. Um, how many of you were energized by this uh, morning's worship and lifting up songs to God? Wasn't that great? And aren't you so thankful for a worship team that strives to lead people in worship? And I'm thankful for uh, discipleship uh, leaders like Pastors Larry and Sharon Frank who are uh, there to help us take our next steps in our faith. And so uh, I'm excited about what God is doing at Grace Assembly. I love this church. I love what, everything that is going on here at Grace. Um, this, uh, this past uh, couple of weeks, um, I've been taking some inventory some inventory of what God has been doing in my life and what he has been doing um, this entire uh, time. I'm going to switch microphones. How is this? It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And so I've been taking some inventory of what God has been doing, and I'm so thankful for what he has done all throughout the years. Um, even when I was writing a Christmas letter to uh, my family, uh, I was thanking them for various different things that they have done throughout the years. And, I, and it occurs to me that God gives us each other uh, to answer our prayers. Uh, God, uh, God does some work in our lives. And one of the things that I was blessed uh, uh, to find out this past week is, is that one of my friends uh, that I have had uh, since childhood um, got engaged. And so Dennis Wood got engaged to his girlfriend, Bree. And so wouldn't you just, isn't that great? They're super excited about that, and uh, we're excited as well. So if you know Dennis and Bree, would you please go over and say congratulations to them? And even if you don't know them, they're part of the family here at Grace, say congratulations anyways. Uh, we believe in celebrating life together, so congratulations to you guys. We love you, and we're excited for what God has for you in the future. <laughs> um, we have our week of prayer that is starting today. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, is what does it look like to have a healthy prayer life? What does it look like to have a healthy prayer life? Uh, and so I think one of the ways for us to, uh, uh, to be able to determine that is to have a common definition of what prayer is. A common definition of what prayer is. So prayer is two-way communication with God. Two-way communication with God. That means that we're speaking, and that means that God is speaking back. And so one of the things that I want us to answer is, is I want us to answer uh, what makes your time of talking with God and listening with God healthy. And is it even possible that if we were to pray to God, is it even possible for that to be an unhealthy thing? And you know what? It is. It's possible. And the reason why that is possible is because of sin in our life. It is a purity issue. And let me explain that with this example. 
How many of you take a vitamin or a mineral supplement? Multivitamin, vitamin D, vitamin C, anything else? Well, how many of you know that some of those supplements are not necessarily good for you? They're not necessarily things that are good for you. And the thing is, is, is that Americans spend about $30 billion a year in health supplements. $30 billion a year in health supplements. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we spend that much money on health supplements? It's to be healthy, right? Somebody has let us know that these are things that are important that we need to have in our body. And so we bought into that. We bought those supplements. And we take them regularly to the point that we have spent $30 billion as Americans. We have this intent that what we are doing is for the sake of our health. But the thing is, is that some of these uh, supplements... Uh, they're not always truthful with what they claim on their label. In fact, some of them have a little asterisk next to it. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. And sometimes they are not even all that truthful with what they say is in there as far as ingredients. So there has been some cases where you take a multivitamin and it says, this will give you a thousand percent of your daily allotment or your daily recommended allotment. And then there's a lab that went and tested that and found out that it was only going to give you 60% of your daily allotment. And so not only uh, are you, you, know, you went into it thinking that you're going to get more than enough to be healthy and only find out that you don't even have enough to get you through the day. And not only that, there are things that are sometimes found in these supplements that are not really all that good for you. Things like lead and mercury and yeast and mold. Ew. And you have all of this stuff that if you have too much of it, it actually doesn't do you all that much good. In fact, it harms you. And so when it comes to uh, our prayer life, there are things that we need in our prayer life in order for it to be healthy. But there are also things that we can insert into our prayer life that doesn't belong there, that doesn't give us the health that we are looking for. It all comes down to purity. So in your two-way communication with God, are you healthy? Is there, in fact, two-way communication, or is it very one-sided? Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount, and so if you... Uh, have your Bibles in front of you, your smart devices. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard by their many words. But do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. When it comes to a healthy prayer life, don't get it twisted. 
Don't get it twisted. There's something that I have noticed taking place in sports events all across the country for years now. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. It could be baseball, it could be soccer, it could be football, basketball. No matter what, there is inevitably an athlete that looks up to the sky and begins to point to God as if to say, it is all about you, God. I think you're so important in my life that I want everyone who can see you're important to me. And one of the things that I, I've realized is, is that because I'm not God, I don't know if this is a legitimate act of worship or whether this is something else, and I don't think it's necessary for me to know that, but can I make an observation today? I've noticed that sometimes some of these athletes spend time pointing up to the sky, looking up and saying, it's all about you, God. It's all about you. I want, I want to give you praise. I want to give you glory. It's all about you. And then within minutes, then proceed to curse and cuss out every single person that crosses their path and then get into a fist fight with another athlete who just did the same thing of looking up, it's all about you, God, it's all about you. And I don't want to have this be a self-righteous judgment kind of thing because I can relate to that. I can relate to that, and I think that it is easy for us to initially, in our relationship with God, to point to him and say, it's all about you. It's all about you. But because of our sin nature, that ends up getting us twisted around. You see, sin distorts. It lies. It steals. And so that which became a sacred act of where you're starting out your prayer, it's all about you, God. Sin kind of pops in from time to time. And if we're not careful, it starts to deform. And that which when we started to point to God, because of sin, it ends up twisting things around where now it's, we're strictly pointing at ourselves. We're strictly pointing at God, do this in my life, do this, do this, do this. And all in all reality, we have stopped seeking God for who he is, and we're just asking him for stuff now. We have to get back to a healthy prayer life. Jesus addressed this uh, in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they will be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now don't get this twisted. Know who you're supposed to point to. This isn't about you, so stop trying to take the sacred and twist it to meet your own uh, perverse sense of recognition. Now let me ask you today, for all of you, I'm assuming that all of you pray at one moment or another throughout the week. I'm assuming that that's the case, and if not, I would love to talk with you afterwards about praying to the God of the universe who wants to give you life and life more abundantly. But for all there we are. For all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, may I encourage you today to take a look at how you pray. 
What does your prayer life look like? Do you pray exclusively in moments where there are other Christians around who are watching you? Because according to this passage, your prayer in private should exceed your prayer in public. That is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to have a relationship with him where we pray to him every single day, wherever we are, in private, so that when we are in public and in corporate prayer, our prayers are energized and meaningful. We have to have this element of private prayer on a consistent basis. So if your spiritual diet only consists of public prayer, may I suggest to you today that you are malnourished. May I suggest to you today that there is a God of the universe that wants to speak to you every single day of your life, no matter where you are. That is the reason why we have the Holy Spirit. We can talk to God every single day. I don't know if some of you have felt this way, but there have been times in my life where I have been in a small group of Christians. And we're praying with each other. And perhaps we're even in a circle praying. And we're taking turns in our prayers. And so somebody will start praying and then they're done. And then the next person in the circle prays. And then the next person in the circle prays. And I don't know about you, and perhaps this is a little superficial of me, but there have been times in my Christian walk where I am ashamed to say there are times where I, I listen to other people's prayers and I'm like, wow, that was really good. Eh, that, that, that may not have been so good over there. I don't know if God heard that prayer. Oh, that one was really good. And then there have been moments in my life where the person right next to me prays down heaven. They pray with such eloquence and such passion that you're convinced that God and his angels have visited and showered down blessings upon you. Surely there's no other reason for anyone to continue in prayer because Sir Prayers a Lot has really done an outstanding job. Right? And you think, I am going to sound so stupid if I pray my kindergarten prayer after the doctoral thesis person just gave their beautiful soliloquy and their prayer to God. Can I encourage you today? That when you pray, it has absolutely nothing to do with how eloquent you sound. It has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not another person agrees and says, That is so great. You are so good when you prayed. Wasn't that wonderful? You were so eloquent. It doesn't matter how you compare to another human being. We have to get back to the genuine heart of God where we are praying exclusively to touch his heart and to touch his mind. We have to get to that simple place again. God doesn't need your flowery prayers. 
God doesn't need your eloquent prayers. He doesn't need you to tickle anybody's intellect when you pray. Not that there's anything wrong about any of those things. But what if you are praying those things and you have nothing in your heart that is really connecting to God Almighty, then you have just said a bunch of words. So we have to get back to that simplicity of, play, of praying simple prayers strictly to touch the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. Allow his life that only he can bring to give you the life in your prayer life. Does that make sense? It doesn't make, if you go throughout all of this time in praying and you end up leaving with this sense of great excitement and your emotions have been fluffed up and you leave uh, with this sense of confidence, but if you haven't talked to God Almighty, then you have missed it. You've gotten it twisted. I don't want this to be something where we are minimalizing the importance in praying in, uh, in, uh, in, in uh, God's presence and in, in praying for long periods of time. You see, in this passage, it talks about do not be like the Gentiles who uh, drone on with their words and speak in meaningless phrases and, 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 and continue with their repetition because if they keep on talking, then surely uh, God will listen to them. So let me encourage you today that this does not mean that we can't have extended periods of time in God's prayer, both individually and corporately. In fact, now more than ever, God is raising up a Pentecostal church that is spending all of their time in God's presence and praying individually and corporately so that we can fulfill his Pentecostal mission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to spend time in God's presence. But can I remind you of something? That definition of prayer. It's two-way communication. That means that you don't have to spend hours upon hours yakking away. You could spend time listening to God. Listening for His voice. It's like going to the doctor and you spend all of your time and energy and money to go to a doctor's appointment. And the doctor asks you, are you okay? What's going on? And you begin to tell the doctor, well, I have this going on, and I have this going on, and this really hurts, and how this affects everything else. And, and, and so bad, and wouldn't it be wonderful if I don't have to deal with this anymore? Heal me, doctor. Heal me, doctor. And then the doctor's about ready to speak, and then you get up and you walk out the door. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? God is not an emotional support animal where you get to dump all of your problems onto, give him a furry squeeze to help you feel better. No, God is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God is Jehovah Nisi, our banner of protection. He is the great physician who wants to heal you, who wants to deliver you. You simply have to spend time in his presence and listen for his voice. Stop being so busy that you get to say all the stuff that you want to say and then leave as if you didn't need to stay there and have God actually do the work that he's been wanting to do all of this time. 
This leads me to my second point. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. Now it's easy to see how Jesus would be praying this type of prayer. He would pray this type of prayer because he is the Son of God. He has been sent there to do the Father's business. Doesn't it make sense for him to say, my Father in heaven? But this is Jesus telling us how to pray. Telling us that this is how we should pray. And we have to get it through our heads. We cannot miss this important truth that our faith is relational and therefore our prayers are relational. We don't have to have this lifeless, dead, blank, ritualistic prayer anymore. We don't have to have this robotic prayers anymore. We don't have to have this thing where it's all mystical and we're just trying to snatch this thing out of the sky. Our God is relational. And he has come near to us. He has intentionally brought himself near to us. All we have to do is accept his invitation and respond in our prayers in a relational way. Think about this for a moment. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, But when the fullness of God had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It also says in Ephesians 1.5, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Do you know what those verses mean? It means that since the very beginning, God has intended to call us his children. He's intended for, to call us his kids. Now think of the most powerful people in the world today. The most powerful people in the world. If some of you were to say, who's the most powerful person in the world, you might say somebody who has a lot of riches, like Jeff Bezos or uh, Elon Musk or somebody like that. Or you might give some sort of political leader, like the president of China, President Xi, or uh, uh, president of the United States, or Vladimir Putin. But no matter who these people are, you, as a regular person, probably have very little shot in walking up to those individuals and having a personal conversation with them. Because of security, because of uh, protocols that are in place, you can't just walk up to these people. They are meant to have a wall of separation in place so that you cannot talk to them. Now, I want you for a moment to picture something with me. And just for an example, we're going to talk about Vladimir. So imagine you, in your PJs, start running towards Vladimir Putin. You're in your pajamas. You have maple syrup all over your face. You're crying. And you go up to Vladimir, crying, and you crawl into his lap, and you say, Vladimir, could you please kiss my boo-boo? I stubbed my toe on the kitchen table. I guarantee you, that's never going to happen. 
Because one, his security agents have probably tackled you about 50 yards back and has already arrested you, and hopefully you'll find the light of day sometime again. But the point is, is that nobody is going to really be able to pull that off except for maybe his kids, right? His kids might be able to get away with that. And so here we have to remember when we pray to God Almighty, we are praying to a God who has already established himself in a relational way. We can approach him with the confidence of one of his kids coming to him and asking him for love and favor. That brings me to my next point. Prayer is God-centered. Prayer is God-centered. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, whose kingdom are you lifting up? Whose kingdom are you lifting up? Who do you spend the most amount of time talking about? Is it yourself? Are you asking, God, God, please deliver this for me. Please do this for me. Please do this. Please do this. I recognize that there are times in my life that I had to grow and mature out of this ritual of approaching God as if he's my butler. God, please clean this up in my life. God, please remove this aspect of my life. I don't like it. It's icky. God, please lift me out of this pit. And it's not like those prayers are necessarily inappropriate things. It's the fact that that was all of my prayers. That was the only thing that I prayed. And so in reality, I wasn't asking God to be exalted. I wasn't praying for his kingdom to be exalted. I was praying for my own. It was strictly selfish. And in reality, God is asking us to be a part of his kingdom. Think about that for a moment. I know what I can accomplish. And sometimes I'm impressed with it. And sometimes I'm kind of embarrassed by it. And so why in the world would I stick with my own kingdom where I know I can mess that up just like that when I could be a part of God's kingdom who is infinite in power, infinite in wisdom, infinite in mercy, infinite in love, and I could be a part of that? Why would I go back time and time again to this thing that has proven never to work? Prayer is God-centered. So instead of providing this laundry list of things over and over and over, God, God, give me this, God, give me that, maybe we can change our prayers a little bit. Maybe we can ask God, God, show me how I can participate in your kingdom. God, show me what your will is so that I can pursue that instead of pursuing my own plan, instead of trying to make my own plan work. God, would you just show me your will so that I can be obedient to what you're calling me to do? That is a God-centered prayer. We have to get back to that moment where we're not asking God for things and we're not trying to conjure these things up on our own. We're simply following through with what God has called us Two. I am convinced that because uh, 
we haven't spent much time in prayer that we end up missing out on supernatural divine opportunities. You want to talk about the will of God? The Bible talks about that God isn't willing for anyone to perish. Not willing for anyone to perish. So why are we filling our prayers with selfish stuff when we have a lost world out there that desperately needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and hear the voice of the Spirit speak to their hearts? You want to pray a powerful, healthy prayer? Pray for people to come to know Jesus. You want to talk about praying for the will of God? Ask for you to have the ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. That you would recognize when the Holy Spirit is looking to lead and guide you and purge you from sin and purge you from muck and the mire. Would you pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life? And would you pray that you would take part in those divine opportunities because it says in the Bible that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. I'm convinced that we miss those things because we haven't prepared our hearts and minds in private prayer. That two-way communication again says you're speaking to God, but then you're waiting to listen. And so if you're listening to God and you begin to recognize his voice in private, then that means that you are more inclined to hear the voice of, the, uh, voice of God Almighty when you're in public. God wants to work. He wants to move. But so many times we get so involved with our own things and we don't spend any time listening to the voice of God that when he does speak, we have no idea that he did. Wouldn't it be great if we recognized the voice of God and we allowed Him to work in the way that only He could work? Another aspect of prayer is, is that it requests. It petitions. It's, of course we have to seek God and we have to allow uh, His kingdom to rule and reign our, uh, reign our hearts. But that doesn't mean that we as his children can't ask him for things. We can ask him for things. It just can't be the only thing that we do when we pray. But we cannot just throw, that out, throw out the aspect that we can ask God for things. In verse 11 it says, give us this day our daily bread. The way bread is used in this case is it's meant for food and all necessities of life. And later on in this chapter, Jesus says, you know, food, you know, clothing, don't worry about it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to be faithful in giving it to you. So we have the earlier part of the chapter that says, pray for these things. And then the later part of the chapter, don't worry about these things. And I think that that's the part that I want us to focus on is the worry because he said that he's going to do it, we can pray to God and have the faith to know what his answer is going to be. And we can also pray with this understanding that we sometimes are very forgetful when it comes to our relationship with God. Why do you think the Israelites had to have so many festivals to remind them of who God is? So when we pray for the very thing that God said is already going to be provided for, we are reminding ourselves that our help comes from the Lord. 
And if God has already proven himself to be for us, then it doesn't really matter if there's anybody who is against us. So we can sit there with a sense of confidence praying for these things because we are reminding ourselves that God has already promised that he will come through for us. Again, prayer reconciles. Prayer doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't only request, but it also reconciles. Check out verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Perhaps the most appealing aspect of Christianity is the fact that the debt that I have accumulated because of my sin has been completely forgiven. That's the gospel. My sin has been forgiven because I have trusted in Jesus Christ and the Bible says that he doesn't remember that anymore. We've been free. I've embraced that completely. But what I have forgotten is is that the very act of what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection is is he also has provided a way to reconcile us with each other. That is what the purpose of the gospel was, is to bring down a wall of hostility between us and him and between each other. Uh, We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, for he himself uh, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So let me tell you what that means for a moment. This passage was talking about two people groups. It was talking about the nation of Israel and it was talking about everybody else. And it was saying that you who did not grow up in the nation of Israel, you didn't know God's covenants. You didn't necessarily know God's uh, promises. But because of this new covenant in Jesus Christ, you have been brought near to God. You have been brought into his family. And so I have taken a wall of hostility that separated the Holy of Holies from everyone else. And when I gave up my spirit, that wall was ripped from the top to the bottom so that my spirit, my presence can leave that place and go into all the world and reside in those who believe. We have a wall of hostility that has been broken down in Jesus' name that has reconciled us with God Almighty. But here is the other thing. There was also this additional wall of hostility that separated those who were Gentiles and those who were a part of the nation of Israel. That wall existed and it had a hard time coming down and it wasn't really even a wall that God Almighty wanted to exist. And so because of Jesus Christ, he took these two factions that didn't get along, he tore down that wall so that we could be one in Jesus Christ. One in his, in his mission. One in his love. And unfortunately, humankind has found various ways to continue to put up wall after wall after wall where the gospel says, I have torn down the wall of hostility. Why do you keep on raising it up again? 
So in your prayer life, can I ask you this? Do you spend any time praying for other people? Do you spend any time for people that normally you would like to choke out? Do you pray for them with the hope of, I want to reconcile with them. I know that it's not right. I know it's not good for me to be bitter. I know that God is supposed to bring us closer as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Do you have that prayer of, God, please draw me close to my brothers and sisters in Christ? In Christ. That is what it means to have a healthy prayer life. Where it's not always about you. But it's about you reconciling with those who are around you. My final point today is prayer directs. Prayer directs. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now this, this verse isn't talking about God, uh, don't lead us into temptation as in don't entice us to sin. That of course would be silly because God wants us to flee temptation. So it doesn't mean that. But when you couple it together, um, with deliver us from evil, this is asking God to lead your footsteps and to give you the strength to not stray from the path. Does that make sense? God directs your footsteps. Sometimes we can't see what is ahead. There's either a big mountain in the way or there's something that we have to go around, but God sees every single step. He has the Holy Spirit speaking to us on the inside, and all we have to do is continue to have those moments of prayer while we are simply saying, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm going to trust that you are going to lead me to where I'm supposed to be. Prayer directs. If I can have the worship team come on up. How many of you have prayed for God to reveal his will in your life? How many of you prayed that God would deliver you from something and you find yourself discouraged and you don't know if it's going to come yet? The reason why I like the end of verse 13 is it brings the focus back around again. Remember how I said that God is relational and prayer should be God-centered. Uh, the reason why I like this is, is it says yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Because of who he is and what he has already proven that he is willing to do on our behalf, we can trust that the kingdom of God is going to go forward. We can trust that his is the power that we don't have to worry about us trying to accomplish things. We don't have to worry about us trying to not mess it up. God is going to go forward no matter what we do. We just have to simply pray and say, God, what is it that you're trying to do in my life? Today, I got a little crazy. And speaking to you guys. But I want you to hear me today. 
that God wants to speak to you. Some of you have heard that all of your life, but you've never thought that you have heard the voice of God speak. Would you consider for a moment that this would be a time where you would say, God, I just want to hear your voice. I just want to hear what you have to say. Do you even hear me at all? Today is the day where you will be able to hear the voice of God. You will be able to hear and be able to discern, I am leading you this way. I am directing you down this path. So today, I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down forward. Uh, our pastoral staff, our board of elders, our board of deacons, those that we've asked to come forward. And if you are here today and you want to seek the voice of the, of the Holy Spirit, if you want to seek God and what he's looking to do in your life, then I invite you today to come down forward. Don't wait for others to come down. Just come down. Seek somebody here so that, you can, so that you can, they can agree with you in prayer. Don't let this opportunity pass by. Allow this to be the time where you are going to say, I am going to meet with the God of the universe today. So we're just going to play in the background here, and we're just going to continue to seek the Lord and pray, for, and pray out to him and ask him to do what only he can do. So for those of you, who are, uh, feel like that you're ready to go, that, you, uh, that, that you're done, you've heard enough from God today, may I ask you, please send, uh, take conversations out in the foyer uh, and, and be blessed in Jesus' name. Please understand that this is not going to be the only time that God speaks to your heart and speaks to your life. But if you want to see God today, we're going to continue to pray at this altar. But if you feel like you need to leave, then be blessed in Jesus' name.